Ladies First Disc Golf is the most comprehensive retailer for women's disc golf needs. With over 50 five-star reviews on Google and Facebook, listen to what their customers have to say. Claire R. says, great products, even better customer service. I love all things Ladies Disc Golf and was really excited to discover Ladies First Disc Golf. I received my first order quickly and with the sweetest personalized note. I am thrilled to support women in disc golf in a new way. If you are looking for stylish and comfortable disc golf apparel and discs for women disc golfers of all skill levels, Ladies First Disc Golf has your needs covered. Visit ladiesfirstdiscgolf.com and use the code LOTC20 at checkout to get free shipping on your order of $20 or more. The Heartland Women's Series presented by Dynamic Discs is back for 2021 and has an exciting year of women's disc golf ahead you don't want to miss. The series begins in Kansas City, followed by women's events in Des Moines, Iowa, Omaha, Nebraska, Noble, Oklahoma, St. Louis, Missouri, and our series finale in Emporia, Kansas. For the series schedule and registration information, visit heartlanddiscgolf.com. I'm Krista and I played in the Magnolia this weekend. It's my first tournament. I had a blast. It was great playing with my daughter and enjoying the beautiful weather here. I played the Magnolia Open today and it was a wonderful course. I had a great time and had a wonderful experience with some beautiful, wonderful women on the course. Hey, I played the Magnolia Open and I had a great time and met a bunch of new ladies. Hey, this is Marie. And this is Violet. And we are the tournament directors for the Huckleberry Open Women's Disc Golf event virtually this year because of the COVID restrictions, but we still made the event go ahead, which is pretty fun for everyone involved. And we are based in Canada. We're playing at Marsh Creek and it's in Beaver Valley area of British Columbia. And we've had 27 women per participating over the last three days. Feedback has been great, even though we've had to have staggered tea times and everyone playing in their bubbles. Uh, the feedback has been that it still feels like that same pressure of playing in a tournament, which is great because there's very few opportunities to play in a tournament. We're excited to be running our first ever women's global event. We both hope that we can keep this going in the future and make it happen again and again from here on out. And for many women and young girls, this is their first ever tournament. So that's really cool to have new players and also competing for their first time. And thank you so much PDGA for the awesome players pack. Yeah, we love the new discs. They're so pretty. <laughs> So in order to adapt our tournament to make it more accessible, especially during the pandemic, we did this virtual version where all the women and ladies and girls will play uh, separately and or with someone in their bubble. And then afterwards they report their scores back electronically. And to finish off our event, we're gonna be doing a Zoom party uh, to just meet the other players and to do a prize giveaway and prize draw for 
all of the uh, participants. So another way we adapted as well to make it better for women on our course is we changed the par on the hardest hole just to make it more uh, user-friendly and less intimidating for new players, especially players playing their first tournament ever. Another thing that's worth mentioning is that several of the sponsors are female entrepreneurs. So we were supporting women-owned and women-run businesses for this tournament. And they supported us back by donating prizes. So it was a good time to be able to advertise for local small businesses during the pandemic and also for them to give back to the community. So win-win both ways. Have a great day. We love disc golf. <laughs> <laughs>
us being in a worldwide pandemic. Gosh, fingers crossed we're getting out of this thing soon. And I want to give a special shout out to the women around the world that didn't still didn't get to have their event this year. Uh, man, we're thinking of you and, and hoping that we all get to the other side of this. But what what a lot of women competing. It's very, very exciting to see the growth of this. So strap in, because I want to give you a rundown of the worldwide winners. So here's our podium winners. In FPO, Valerie Jenkins takes down the win. Second place, Colleen Thompson. Third place, Tierra Cargill. FP40, Sammy Joe Guerrero. In second place, our very own Kimberly Janola. And in third place, shout out to Sarah Nicholson. FP50, Garrett White, taking first place in the world. Second place, Michelle Green. Third place, Lorena Dostal. FP55, Pam Reineke taking first. Sue Stevens in second place. Donna Barr in third. FP60, first place, Donna Greist. Second place, shout out to Andy Yun. Third place, Marsha Ness. FP65, first place, Sandy Gass. Let's go. Second place, Kathy Hardman. Also, let's go. And third place, Sharon Jenkins. You'll love to see it. FP70, in first place, the one and only Sylvia Volks. Second place, Nancy Wright. Third place, Jannie Darling. In FA1, First place goes to Elizabeth Subinski. Second place, Jen Diggs. Third place, our very own Allie Smith. FA40, first place goes to Angie Jeter. Second place goes to Ira Molnar Grecki. And third place, Nicole Adden. FA50, Nadia Kokaro takes down first place. Second place, Michelle Simpson. Third place, Chris Gregg. In FA55, first place, Karen Fergie Caldwell. Second place, Seneca Bach. Third place, Karen Shearer. In FA60, first place, Maureen Miller. Second place, Billy Sage Ashton. And third place, Fiona Ming Menzies. FA65, first place, Patricia Naprud Mels. Second place, Denise Gentry. Third place, Judy Ryder. In FA70, first place, Patty Adams. Second place, Sydney Evans. And in third place, Judith Gibson. In FA2, first place goes to Alex Stewart. Second place, Courtney Cooper. Third place, Kelly Foster. In FA3, first place in the world, Brianna Wood. Second place, Megan Daly. Third place, Ashley. Kikukawa. In FA40, first place goes to Tisha Mui. Second place, Jelena Gekik. Third place, Kimberly Leeds Cook. In FJ18, Texas's own Melody Castorita takes first place. Second place goes to Victoria Aresho Paul. And third place goes to Anna Garicki. In FJ15, here comes another one of the Castorita sisters. Aria takes down first place. Second place, Cadence Burge. Third place, Larkin Lowry. 
in FJ12. For first place in the entire world, a very, very special shout out to our very own Eva Meyer. Second place, Riley Hayes. Third place, Sierra Griffiths. In FJ10, first place, Coral Watson. Second place, Grace Williams. Third place, Yakar Gro. In FJ8, first place, Eris Gro. Second place, Adai Coltrane. Third place, Jewel Simpson. And in FJ6, Kaja Gurecki. Second place, Kerrigan Bryan. Third place, Jolene Mathis. Congratulations to all of those women. Congratulations to everyone who participated this year. How'd you do? How'd you feel? How'd you do in your local tournament? How'd you do in the worldwide standings? I absolutely loved our tournament. It felt great. And we're going to break that tournament down here a little bit more with Kim and Nova. Joining me now are Nova Polit and hey there. Kim Janola. Hello, everyone in disc golf land. At our local event for the Women's Global event here in Kansas City, the Diva Spring Fever, Kim took first place in FP40, and Nova took first place in FPO. You good job. And also, what's exciting about this being a Women's Global event, uh, Nova took 12th place in FPO overall across the entire world. Um, About that, I'm, it's like, I'm glad, but I'm not super stoked because like all the touring pros were playing Goat Hill. Sure. So, so it's 12th out of everybody who wasn't playing Goat Hill. It still counts. There there were still quite a few, which I think is pretty cool. And, okay, fair. Yeah, and Kim took a second out of FP40 for the whole world, which is really exciting. Very outstanding. Yeah. So I wanted to talk a little bit specifically about the Kansas City Diva Spring Fever. All right. And what this tournament is, this is a tournament the three of us have played multiple times, and I'm going to do a a check on my memory of of the history here um, for all three of us, but it's an event that we love dearly and has played, I think, a really important role in our disc golf journeys. Um, That's true. Yeah, and of that, of a, a lot of other folks as well. So, Nova, if I'm remembering right, was a Diva Spring Fever your first tournament? That is exactly correct. In uh, 20, oh good God, uh, 2015, I first picked up a, a disc and started playing in like April, and then that May was a diva, fe- the diva fever, and uh, I signed up, and I had such a good time that I stuck with the sport. Yeah, and I have a, a similar story. I played maybe five or six months coming back to disc golf. And Rhonda, you know, bugged me about checking out this tournament, and it was my first disc golf tournament. Um, what about you, Kim? When was your first Diva Spring Fever? 2016. Okay. So, uh, a little story about, you know, Nova's first Diva Fever. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I wasn't even throwing disc golf at the right. time. I was still in my resistant period to this, and she basically said... Uh, oh yeah, I've signed up for a tournament. I'm going to go play this tournament. And I'm like, you've only been playing for like a handful of weeks and you're going to go play a tournament? Like to me in my... I've been playing every day though. I know. (laughs) But in my tennis player's mind, Mm -hmm. I had a very different idea of what it 
what was required mm. to go play a tournament. It wasn't something you just did after I, you know. Mm-hmm. In her defense, she did say she played every day yeah. for, for quite some time. <laughs> well, for, you know, for fair, several I, weeks. But I, and I had also like read the official rules of disc mm-hmm. golf and read the wiki page and had yeah. pretty much I had absorbed all of the information. Yeah. Like you know, like some kind of robot character on Star Trek. <laughs> I just I stuck my computers in the or stuck my fingers in the computer and absorbed all the knowledge and <laughs> and then I was I was Uber. So there you go. Yeah, but you know. To my mind of what an organized sport is, or traditionally is, I guess I should, you know, clarify that. It it was just kind of like, I can't believe you're playing a tournament this early Mm -hmm. into your experience with the sport. And she came back and just was gushing about, you know, how much fun this was. And and not only was it fun to play the event, but that everyone was welcoming Mm. and uh you know, for her first event, it couldn't have really gone any better. And I wouldn't experience, yeah, I wouldn't experience this for another year because, mm. you know, it took her a while to, to wear down my resistance to giving up tennis. And, true story. <laughs> uh, it's, it's true. And so my first one was in 2016. I was playing, um, I believe, intermediate mm. at the time. And uh, it was kind of transformative. The only, mm. I'd only, that might have actually been my third tournament I'd ever played. Mm-hmm. Because my first year, I only played the Midwest Amateur Championship in the rec division. And then uh, I think the next sanctioned tournament I played was the Glassblown Open in 2016. Mm. I could be wrong about that, but I hadn't played that many tournaments before I played the Diva Fiva in 2016. And it was fantastic. I, I, I don't really have any words to describe what it was like (laughs) coming to that event as a as a very novice Mm -hmm. player and seeing what the sport could be through the eyes of of that tournament Mm -hmm. um i still and all all apologies to the women up in michigan who i know are going to (laughs) defend you know their events quite quite proudly and and deservedly so but i still think this might be this the single greatest tournament single day for women mm-hmm. in the country. And I still think it's arguably one of the single greatest single day events, period, mm-hmm. gender notwithstanding. Mm-hmm. I really think Rhonda, Ben, yeah. and all of the the team that they bring to bear every year do something special for the women of the Kansas City area and from everyone else like Omaha, Des Moines, mm-hmm. Oklahoma, St. Louis, um, Arkansas, who all make the journey up here. It's it's something else. It's really good. So this is really cool because, Nova, you, you played your, your first Diva Fiva in 2015. Kim, you played True. yours in 2016, and I played mine in 2017. And all right. just like Nova, that was my very first tournament. So, you know, it, it's kind of a funny thing, right? On the one hand to have this incredible experience that completely got me hooked on playing tournaments. Mm-hmm. But then also that bar was set awfully high, right? Because Oh, true story. It being such an outstanding tournament and I've I've played lots of other wonderful tournaments too, but there's this understanding that this particular tournament is always going to be special and always going to be at a at a different level. 
So I see on social media all the time, and certainly people have reached out to our podcast through the years, asking questions about how can I make my women's tournament better? How can I get more women out? Um, and all of those things. So let's talk a little bit about some of the particulars that make this tournament so special. Um, so Kim, what are what are some things that you find particularly unique and important about this tournament? Well, historically speaking, um, it has had one of the best provided lunches between rounds. I know this year with COVID, they had to adjust what, you know, what they could do a little bit more to um, to be safe for everyone because yeah. they didn't want you know a big lineup of people trying to get food like they have in the past. But provided lunch is a huge one, um, especially when you have this many players and you don't want to you know leave the course. And you know this this has been a fantastic lunch. You know yeah. you've had all kinds of sandwich options, you've had fruit options, all kinds of beverage options. They really go over the top on this. Um, additionally. Until you actually walk in and see what they do, the public restrooms mm-hmm. are cleaned and decorated to the point where it's almost like walking into someone's home. Yeah. And this was originally held at Swope Park, and nobody ever wanted to go to the bathroom at Swope Park <laughs> ever. I mean, you did because you had to do your business. But I remember walking into the bathroom at Swope during Diva Fever yeah. Week and thinking I, I had just walked through like a Narnia wardrobe <laughs> or or something because yeah. it was a different world. Yeah. I mean, I would was... I would I have had friends, though, whose bathrooms did resemble porta potties, but we're not friends anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, I mean, those two things alone, mm-hmm. at least as in terms of comfort, speak volumes because I don't know how many tournaments go out of their way to clean public restrooms so that they are welcoming to their players. True story. But, you know, this tournament does. It both in at Rosedale for the last couple of years and at Swope when it was originally held there. Um, I think another aspect of it is uh, kind of how it ends. Yeah. You come in. And, and again, this year they had to do things a little bit differently because of COVID. But historically speaking, yeah. you would come in, you would turn your card, somebody turn your card in, somebody would be there to give you a flower mm-hmm. and a beverage, you know, an age appropriate beverage in the case of the juniors, but in yep, the case yep. of the adults, yeah. an age appropriate beverage. <laughs> well, and you got to be careful of that. I, uh, I think it was the last one. I came in and we were going to play a tiebreaker and somebody tried to hand me a, uh, a mimosa. Right. And I'm like, no, I'm, you know, I mean, not yet, not little, little early. I mean, I appreciate it. Very kind of you. Thank you. But you, know, you do have to be careful about it, but it's, it's kind of an interesting thing to finish your day. Oh, with it's, that it's kind fantastic. Of yeah, yeah. And, uh, I know a lot of other tournaments do this, and and they are right to do it. One of the things that Diva Fiva does very well is at about four different locations on the course, there is a snack station. Yeah, I do love a snack. So, you know, you play, you know, four or five holes, three or four holes, depending on where it's 
positioned, you can pick up a granola bar mm-hmm. or an apple or a small orange or a bag of nuts or, or, or something like that or a banana. And, you know, the, it feels the best word I can come up with right now is welcoming. Yeah. It, you feel welcome to be there in every respect. For me, I think um, one of the standout features is, well, there's two, but in all, in all seriousness, I think one of the standout features is just the level of preparation on the course. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, everybody's been to a tournament where you show up and the course is the course, and it's the same as whether you walked up on Thursday or whether you're playing it on the weekend of a tournament. And then sometimes you show up on a course and there's a sponsor's tea sign on every hole. And that makes it feel a little bit more like a tournament. Like, hey, they, somebody walked around and stuck a sign on every hole. Mm-hmm. Or there'll be a tournament-specific tea sign on every hole. On this one, there were hand-painted, mm-hmm. which already makes it effort, hand-painted motivational signs mm-hmm. on almost every hole with you know various uh, sayings that, could lift your mood, I suppose, if you were not in a good one already. And I found that to be really adorable and thoughtful. Mm -hmm. And it just, and I'm not saying every tournament should go out and do this, but I think it speaks to the overall level of commitment that the organizing staff have for making this tournament as good as possible. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'll just be walking up the fairway and there will be this very color, colorful sign that'll say, like, you, good job. Or, <laughs> you can do it, or you're yeah, having a great day. <laughs> I'm like, I am? I am. Okay. And, yeah, I agree with you. Um, the painted signs do make help make the tournament unique because it, it adds to the visual appeal of walking up the fairway or coming to the tee pad. It's, yeah. it's unique. It's not yeah. something you see at every event you, you play. Yeah, and there's a there's a level of whimsy at play mm-hmm. that I find interesting too. I think it was the proceed no two diva fevas ago. Um, COVID has made my years weird. Mm-hmm. Two diva fevas ago, um, on one hole, nobody had bothered to set up the marker for the CTP, and the basket for that hole happened to be adjacent to one of the uh, snack stands. So the first player to play that hole had nothing with which to mark her CTP. So she grabbed a banana from the fruit bowl and wrote her name on it with a Sharpie (laughs) and set it on the appropriate spot. And then for the rest of the round, people were updating the banana as appropriate. And since then, the organizers have marked the CTPs for every hole with a, I think, styrofoam or plastic uh, fruit bowl banana (laughs) skewered on a steel stake. So, and... I don't I don't see that at the DGPT. I think the DGPT <laughs> needs CTP bananas. That's all I'm going to say. So f- for me, I really like what you said about there's just kind of this whimsical nature and this culture that Rhonda and Ben have cultivated over the years around this tournament. Mm-hmm. And for me, my first year playing this and it being my first tournament, I had gotten so obsessed and so into disc golf over the prior six months and I really felt like I had found my people like Mm -hmm. there was this entire day where there were all these other women that felt the way I did about the sport and 
everyone was so encouraging of one another. Um, my second round was just amazing because I really didn't know what I was doing yet, but I, I threw the disc pretty well on some shots and Chris Clemens was caddying for one of uh, the women on my card and All he, right. he was so encouraging, but I was also just like, oh my gosh, I just, you know, saw what you did at GBO a few weeks ago because he had had like an amazing GBO that year. Mm-hmm. And I... Um, had very little control over my disc, but I had learned how to kind of throw <laughs> far-ish and I just shanked it into the woods and Chris Clemens bounded after my disc and retrieved it for me, which was amazing because he was like, this Aww. is the disc you have thrown off the tee on every single hole. We have to find it. Nice. But a lot of the people I met at that tournament are still, you know, some of my closest disc golf friends and that I think certainly hooked me. But I think that again goes back to us having a wonderful disc golf community, but also going back to this tournament and way of doing things that, that Ben and Rhonda have made decisions to make it that kind of environment. Um, I kind of want to highlight something you, you, you're bringing up in, in yeah. what, your anecdote. And that is, the Kansas City men really support this event. Um, oftentimes, we we have a lot of men volunteering to be caddies. Yeah. They're out here being spotters. They're um, helping move water or making certain snack stations refilled. Yeah. There is a lot of support from the men of the disc golf community, and that means a lot. You know, it, it's not it's not seen that this tournament is taking up a course that they can't play that weekend or, or something yeah. like that. They're out, they're out there helping and, uh, and basically and more, being a very visible presence in, in the success of it. Yeah. And more to the point though, they're helping. They're not taking the lead. They're not telling yeah. anybody what to do. They're not they're in charge. Yeah, they are, exactly. they are supporting. Yeah. And they've really, made this a destination event there are are always women that this is maybe the only tournament that they play all year and that speaks volumes i think again to how good of a tournament it is and and the kind of experience that it provides well i don't correct me if i'm wrong didn't Rhonda say that her intent after coming back from like U.S. women's was, mm. why can't I make something like that here for us? Mm-hmm. And so she tried to put on an event with the same ideas, yeah. themes, and feel of it, like a U.S. women's, mm. but it's just a, it's just a one-day seat here. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, she aimed big, you know. At the time, you know, outside of U.S. women's, how many largely at, or well-attended women's events were there out there? Right. She wanted she wanted to do something like that, and you know, when we have the when we have the protocols in place where we can have 144 players or something like that, we almost fill it. Yeah. A one-day C tier up of 144 women—that's incredible. Mm-hmm. That you know and, that that many people come here not only because they have come in the past, but because word of mouth has grown it to that degree. Yeah, that was the uh, what twenty nineteen mm-hmm. diva fever that was uh, 
full with two courses yeah. on four on a card. And I I like the direction that women's disc golf has gone in the region uh, here in the middle part of the U.S. Uh, since then, because uh, in addition to the Diva Fiva, it's now just part of the Heartland Women's yeah. Series, which is uh, a, a mini tour of, what, six or eight mm-hmm. tournaments yearly, uh, depending on the pandemic conditions in a given year. And I think uh, this year there was a WGE on the opposite side of the state in St. Louis for once. Um, so Kansas City no longer has to be the hub for women's disc golf in this middle part of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's good that other cities in the surrounding area are also getting women's events and uh, uh, being part of this tour yeah. and that it, it doesn't have to be just all Kansas city. Yeah. Uh, and I, I like, I like traveling, uh, from where I am to other cities. There's uh, one coming up in, uh, uh, just a couple of weeks in, uh, Des Moines, Iowa. Yeah. And Kim and I are heading up that way. I yeah. mean, they all, they all came down to Casey. We're going to go up to Des Moines. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, uh, Omaha had a WGE as well. That is correct. And, also, the Omaha Ladies Open mm-hmm. coming up later this summer. It's a Un- fantastic tournament. Um, if, you, if you're in the area, you should go support the Omaha women because they have put on a great time, a great event. Yeah. Looking at what the St. Louis women did with the Lou Ladies Open, mm-hmm. what the Emporia women are doing with the Emporia Ladies Open, I mean, right. this tournament has a lot of siblings now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, the other cities are really are really starting to bring their game and this is this is becoming great. Yeah. You know, if you if you can hit every stop on the women's tour or the, excuse me the Heartland series cuz you right. know that there's several women's tours looking at you Michigan, but <laughs> <laughs> right. But um but yeah, you know, the opportunity to play women's events exists and if you have the the time, we should go support them. Yes. Yeah. And and I think this is encouragement too. Um if you're not near one of these hubs and you've got a WGE, if you grow it big enough, mm-hmm. perhaps your region can do like this region and this can become a nationwide thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you look at a map and you see one region and you see their influence spread and then the KC influence spreads as tournaments grow all around. And if you can dot the whole map with that, the next thing you know, there's women's tournaments everywhere mm-hmm. and there are women's mini series everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the logical outcome of this, and I look forward to it. Yeah, I like that. That's that's a wonderful, I think, point to transition now to the Women's Global event. So the Women's Global event started in 2012, and it's been every couple years, save last year's weirdness. Um, so what does it feel like when it's a women's global event, are you thinking at all about that kind of extra level of participating on the same weekend and sort of competing against women from all over the world? Kind of yes, mm-hmm. but kind of no. I I mean, I'm aware that mm-hmm. uh, scores are going to be normalized and tallied all throughout the event, but it's not something I'm really thinking about before or during mm-hmm. it's usually after and even then somebody has to run up and tell me what happened yeah. which is which is literally what happened I, we were hanging around uh, wrapping up things at the tournament and someone's like nova nova you're like 10th 
which I was at the time. Mm -hmm. And I said, great. Mm -hmm. Where is this? I don't know. And like, they're like, it's on the WG and I'm, and I went to the WGE site and there was a link to it and the link went to like last year's results, but mm -hmm. last year there wasn't one. So it just went to like a bad web page. And so I like had to manually adjust the URL on their website in my web browser and like replace 2020 with 2021. And then the correct page loaded up with the results for the 2021 PDJ Women's Global Event. And I scrolled down and yeah, sure enough, there I was in 10th, although later results pushed me down a couple ticks. But it was just little hiccups like that. Mm. Or, and this is going to be, I'm going to knock the PDGA, PDGA in general here. So, um, mild take incoming, I suppose. Um, the PDJ websites for like the women's page or the women's global event or say most majors, they're really kind of bare bones. It's, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we got, uh, uh, Paul and Paige grinning at us from the, the sides of the, of the frame and the PDJ banner at the top. And then it's just usually like a brief description of whatever's happening. Like you click on pro worlds to sign up for pro worlds and it's just a couple of lines and then like three or four little blue links and then a sidebar off to the side with the same three or four blue links in a list form. And then you got to click on each one to go see what's going on. And it's really, it's very web 1.0. Mm. It's very late 1990s. And I, the impression I get is that these websites are not updated as often as they could be. Mm. And sometimes there'll be even like dead links and things. And mm -hmm. it's, not super welcoming mm. or helpful. Um, that said, I've probably taken about a minute complaining and the obvious <laughs> rebuttal is why don't you do something about it? And the answer for that is, I don't know. <laughs> I look at the WGE kind of like Nova after the fact mm -hmm. because I'm keenly aware while, you know, before I start playing that day that the other women throughout the country or throughout the world are throwing different courses mm -hmm. true with different conditions true um and so while you know you're looking at the round ratings and then you know there's a score that's that comes of this and, and this gets measured against all of the other women who are playing in that division not all courses are equal. Not all weather is equal. Some of the WGEs that these women are playing are actually dual. Well, they're they're regular tournaments that qualified as a WGE, and they're not women only. Yeah, so tournament in, tournament plus WGEE. -E. So some of those women are playing against men in their division, so I don't know how that's affecting their ratings. I, I'm aware that this is happening, and it's fun to be part of it, but I'm also aware that, you know, maybe I'm playing on a very, uh, or on a relatively open course on a sunny day with very, with very little wind or whatever, and someone else is playing, you know, very tight technical course with you know, 30 mile an hour winds and light rain the entire day. So it's, it's neat that this, you know, this is all done at the same time. You know, it, it's not as though we're playing, we're all playing the same course mm -hmm. and in the same conditions. 
I'm going to channel uh, Chuck Kennedy of the uh, ratings guru of the PDGA here for a moment and, okay. and say that, no, the rating system is perfect. And <laughs> if you have enough propagators, um, the weather is taken into account and reflected in their scores. And there's nothing at all wrong with the ratings that come out that day. And they can all be compared. Ideally. I don't believe that. I just wanted to do that. <laughs> no, love you, Chuck. You're a great guy. Love your rating system. So Not sarcasm. Here's how I feel about the women's global event. And I don't want this to come across as demeaning of it whatsoever. But my personal hope has been for a while now that we've either outgrown it or we are very close to outgrowing it. And that what? should be really, really exciting. Because part of the reason why the women's global event is a thing is kind of to Kim's point about how we still have all these tournaments that aren't just women's global events, that there's, you know, it's a, a mixed C tier that they let the women take place, part of the, the WG. It's because for so long, there were so many women that were competing against maybe no one in their division. We've all, mm -hmm. you know, experienced this, right? Or maybe just sure. one or two other people. And this was a way to make women feel like they got to really compete against a larger field. Maybe only during the women's global event would they experience this. And my hope is that now... And we're certainly maybe not there yet, but we have not. more and more tournaments where we do have women in divisions where they get to compete against more people. So kind of to your point, Nova, right? Like C tiers, right. things like that. We maybe still have some some smaller divisions, especially as these newcomers are, are coming up to y'all's level, right? And you know, we're, the, yeah. pi the pipeline is starting to fill. We're going to yeah. see even locally more pro players, um, I think, in the next several years here, if if everyone keeps with the sport. Well, sure, but let's not spike the ball on the 40-yard right. line. I, I think we've right. got a long way to go. Sure. Um, so, like I said, it's my hope that we're, we're getting close to outgrade. But there are more women's tournaments now. There are, like, throughout the year. Um, and on non-women's global event years, there are more opportunities. You know, even with our Heartland Women's Series, where I could, you know, play just those events. And I could play quite a few and, and probably play against several different um players in my division so there are i think at least more opportunities there are than there were in 2012 to your point we should not you know spike the ball and say we did it um but i think yeah. that's hopefully where the, we're the headed P yeah the pdga is seven percent women mission accomplished right right uh, we're there <laughs> yeah so there's there's still work to do but i think that you have more more women that are are hungrier for more competing and you know i think it's possible that the women's global event might evolve i don't know exactly what that you know might look like but the growth of the women's global event from you know every two years to every two years is immense uh we can't deny that this last go around even with the pandemic and even with a lot of countries not being able to even hold their events was significantly record-breaking yeah and i know i said a lot of things about the 
the idea that you would be using the WGE to compete against other players throughout the world and, you know, to compare yourself to other players throughout the world on this one day, you're, you're competing against all the women, not just, you know, what's there locally. I think the real strength of the WGE is how it's managed to grow women's events in yeah. general. Yeah. And I don't think it should be just, when you say, I think we're, we may be ready to outgrow it, maybe, maybe as a means of like comparing yourself to other players, mm -hmm. but I think the good it does yes. in not only growing the existing WGE events, but bringing new ones in, yeah. you know, like we saw in Omaha and we saw in St. Louis that right. if, if the WGE is making more women's tournaments happen, yes, then by all means, let it grow more. Absolutely. It's an important incubator for getting more people involved. And with more people involved, more people are going to host events. Yeah. And with more people hosting events, there's going to be more events, and it's a positive feedback loop. Yes. And I, I think uh, kicking the pegs of that support out from under uh, mm -hmm. would be premature. Mm -hmm. okay. I mean, I'm looking at the year 2019. Um, right after the Diva Spring Fever in 2019, I went to the Des Moines Challenge, uh, an A-tier, and there were 275 players, and 24 of them were women. Mm -hmm. So... I mean, just from one weekend to the next, I went from 100% women all around me to a regression to the mean of right. 7%, which happened to be, you know, the percentage of women in the PDGA. So I, I think it's an important incubator, and I would like to see it continue to grow. Yeah, I think all in all, the WGE has been a stunning success over the years, and I think we ought to keep doing it. It's been an outstanding catalyst for growth of the women's game. Kiminova wanted to make sure that we give another shout out to the Heartland Women's Series. We are so pumped around here about, about this local tour and just want to give a big shout out to all of the uh, tournament directors that, that are running it this year and a shout out again to, to Rhonda for overseeing it. So just want to give you some tournaments to look up if you are in this heartland area of some outstanding tournaments that are going to be just for women and just fantastic. So we next up we've got the Off the Chain Women's Event and then that'll be followed by the Omaha Ladies Open and then uh, Flight of the Owl, that's gonna be in Oklahoma. Sorry, Off the Chain is up in Iowa. Uh, and then the Lou Ladies Open, that's gonna be in St. Louis. And then the final event is the Emporia Ladies Open. So please look those up and, and make those if you can. Thank you so much for listening to the Ladies of the Chains podcast. As always, thank you to DZ Discs, where the disc you see is the disc you get. New customers can use the code guitar at checkout and get a discount. Have a fantastic few weeks. Play some disc golf. I'll catch you here next time on the Ladies of the Chains Disc Golf Podcast. Yeah.